Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome, Stronzos, to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and uh, learning Italian swears. I'm Caleb. Bene. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's <laughs> it's time, Stronzos, uh, for <laughs> you bastardos to learn more about Italiano. So, one of my favorite things, not to, you know, get too ahead of ourselves, is like, whenever uh, one of the stands in JoJo is like punching quickly they'll have like a thing that they're shouting while they do it whether it's like the aura 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 or the muda 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 bucciarati's is ari 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 and he like segues that into ari ari arrivederci well he does speak the best italian yeah uh how are you friend uh i'm good he's he can't be worse than brad pitt at italian it's uh, true uh, so, so tell everybody about your job. Uh, I have one. Uh, yeah, I was up, uh, I went up and did that job interview in New York, uh, on a whim and, uh, got the job. So I'm moving in like a month again. Again. Caleb is currently on his, uh, live in all 50 states, any percent speed run. It's true. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a, it's a nice step up, so. What is your job now? Or what will your manager. job be? Oh, you're actually managing? Oh my god, look yeah. at you. I'm I'm getting my own store. It's that was quick. Yeah, it's happening. Two years. It's really quick. Well, I'm really fucking smart. I'm happy for you, but like that's that's <laughs> impressively quick. Yeah. Oh, we'll see how it goes. Either, uh, it's like anything else. I'll either be able to do it or I won't. <laughs> and it'll be a fucking catastrophic failure, which is always a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You, you, that definitely could happen to you. So, uh, I, I hope you work less hours. Uh, I don't think it would be possible for me to work more. So, well, there you go. Uh, as for me, I've been trying to fight the good fight on the internet uh, to no avail. People don't listen to me. They just want to read the headlines of articles and take their entire opinion from uh, 10 words. <laughs> I don't know. I was uh, aggressively downvoting people on uh, Reddit who <laughs> were just like, oh, Netflix is getting ads. I'm canceling my account right now. Yeah, it's like you you didn't read the article. You you clearly didn't read it. There was one part. There was yeah. one exchange on on uh, our Netflix that like, or it was some subreddit that had repo. So uh, the one I actually like finally commented on, I think it was like r slash technology, and it was like about Netflix getting ads, and it was like a relatively new post. And I just went, oh, so we're just recycling the same story from uh, three days ago, right? And, like yeah. it, it's been a few hours. It's time to repost, right? And someone was like, 
well, this is news. The biggest streaming service in the world is is, is putting ads on the service. And it's like, yes, but also look at like it was a, an article from Ars Technica from April twentieth, uh, four twenty, and I made this comment on uh, four twenty three, mm-hmm. and that's when the article was posted. I don't know. There was one article that people were freaking out about that was like, it's so like the uh, article was from a website that's owned by Paramount. So like, basically, I I feel like they they were trying to make a bad faith argument that like, generally across the board, your Netflix subscription is going to have ads in it to get people fired up so that they would leave and go to other streaming services such as Paramount Plus. Yeah, uh, what, there, there was a big thread where I basically said, like, hey, just so you know, your account is not going to get ads just because Netflix is putting ads on the, on the platform. And then I found, because I wanted to cover it, because remember, like, it was sometime last month where Disney Plus was like, or Disney was like, hey, Disney Plus is going to get ads at some point in 2022. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see how did the titles of articles of from negative websites to Netflix, how do they look compared to Disney Plus? So uh, popculture.com, which I don't they they're owned by somebody who has like heavy investment in Disney and Amazon, I believe uh, they say Netflix officially adding commercials for 19 Disney Plus side. Uh, this is on three, four. Disney Plus introducing new subscription option. Yeah. Yeah. So, see? Is, so is Netflix. Uh, then we have comicbook.com. Stephen Colbert skewers Netflix ads with new parody on The Late Show. Can't imagine why Stephen Colbert would be potentially threatened by Netflix, but uh, so there's that. And then uh, Disney, also from comicbook.com, Disney Plus ad supported subscription plans announced. Huh. I wonder what's going on there. <laughs> conspiracy fucking a right it is i mean my conspiracy goes even further than that which is like people post things on reddit uh because they're paid to like they're bu- they're either bot accounts or people who are up uh uh you know get paid by companies in order to post articles in order to keep up the fervor against netflix like it has just been nothing but shitting on netflix week which is fine netflix deserves to be shit on Believe me. Yeah. But to be um, disingenuous about it is ridiculous. I don't know. We're we're going to have to talk about this for a while, and for me to be able to do so, I'm going to have to get drunk, so let's do What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! <laughs> Stay away from the cans! All right, I'm drinking gin and tonic with the chemist. Uh, bourbon barrel aged gin. Uh, it's okay. I prefer cardinal gin much better. Uh, I think I've talked about this before, but uh, I, I'm I'm trying to finish this up so I can go back and get Cardinal Gin. Uh, now tell me about your Laguintas. All right, uh, right now I'm having a Hazy Wonder IPA. Uh, it has a dog on it. It's like a it's like Cliffordish. I don't know. It's the color. The color scheme is you know fantastical, but it is a, a reddish or pink dog. But I don't know. It looks sort of like a pit bull type. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's an IPA. It tastes like an IPA, which is, uh, you know, not great, Bob. Yeah, not, not really my speed. But that's fine for people who are into it. Yeah. 
at some point, because I'm fulfilling my pledge, I will uh, be transitioning over into my uh, Laguinta's Little Sumpin uh, IPA, which has uh, a, a picture of a trollop, a lady of the evening on it. That's just a regular woman. How do you know it's all, <laughs> a, 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 you know? You know, we don't see any. Like, it looks like she's wearing a blazer. For all you know, she's like a strong businesswoman. You know, CFO of her company. But she's choosing to associate herself and her image with uh, the devil's drink. So clearly, she's a. Uh, she's probably a harlot. Tramp. You're right. You know what? You're right. You, you've convinced me. <laughs> uh, speaking of sin and vice, uh, let's get into the news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, so Netflix is dead. Long live uh, Netflix. Yes. So uh, if you are tired of the Netflix discourse around their uh, earnings call, please feel free to skip ahead to downstream. where We will talk about not that. Uh, basically, all the news coming out of this news section is about Netflix dying. Except not. So let's start with the big news first. Uh, is uh, So during the company's Q1 2020 earnings call, it was revealed that Netflix had lost 200,000 global subscribers for the first time since 2011. Uh, on top of that, Netflix anticipates losing 2 million more global subscribers in Q2. These numbers are minuscule compared to Netflix's total subs being around 214 million. But Wall Street has begun to divest, with Netflix going from trading at uh, $348 per share right before the, before the earnings call to $238 a share and market open the following day. All right, Caleb. Talk about it. What what do you, Netflix is clearly dead. So, Netflix let me let me just say that Netflix is a perfectly profitable business. Mm-hmm. What what I hate and what Netflix is currently going through uh and like we could talk about this on our other podcast too because like uh, Wizards of the Coast is going through kind of a similar thing where like they kind of hit their they hit their peak like best they'd ever been. And, you know, the stakeholders are like, oh, well, we want continued growth in like if a company isn't growing, they're dying like a company can't just be established and continue to turn a profit like if. In today's economy, if you're not actively growing by like 10% or more every year, uh, your business is failing, uh, which is stupid. So like, as as far as like the stock value, Netflix should be at the point where instead of like their stocks going up and down in value and being traded actively, they should be, you know, in the hands of long-term investors and being like paid a dividend on their stock. But that's not what's happening. Like people are freaking out and they're losing market capital because the company isn't actively increasing in size and therefore they're failing. And like Netflix has kind of hit the level of saturation. We've talked about this a few times where like they can't gain more subscribers. So the thing is how do we squeeze more money out of the subscribers that we have, which creates the toxic perception that people have of the company at this point. Also, it's just like, 
a, a trendy popular thing to shit on Netflix for some fucking reason, which I don't I don't get because like. Like di- fucking Disney and NPC aren't better. No, no, they're, they're not. not be- they're not better companies. I would say they have worse corporate ethics than Netflix does. Remember, because uh, I think everyone's getting keyed into this now, but Disney had like a massive tax exception in the state of Florida to even have their theme parks operated there. And that was just mm-hmm. removed now because they actively challenged the government there. So like optically, that looks good for Disney to do such a thing and challenge that and now lose that status. But they maintain that status for years and then had to pay way less in taxes because of it. So, right. uh, and then, you know, NBC, NBC owns fucking everything. They have their own internet service. They own the, uh, they have a movie studio. They sell you cable. They are a cable. They have cable channels. So like, well, don't, do they own Comcast? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I think the whole, I think it's like NBC, I think it's like Universal Comcast or something like that. I I can't remember exactly what the company name is, but yeah, they own mm-hmm. Comcast, which is your internet and cable provider. So they have a streaming service on top of that, and they have the cable channels that you watch with your cable subscription that you get through them, that they then serve you ads on. Yeah, which is in no way insidious. But you don't think about that because you don't care. And that's been my my main thing when people complain about the price of Netflix. Like, I'll make this up front. You can cancel Netflix for any fucking reason you want. You can cancel anything. You can stop paying for anything you don't want to at any time. That is your right as a consumer. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing that... I do it all the time. It's easy. You just stop doing it. Yeah. But when you do that, you can't therefore go and say, oh, well, this is a better deal. Because it's not. HBO Max is not the sole revenue generator for its company. Uh, (laughs) Disney Plus is not the sole revenue generator for its company. Paramount Plus, NBC, uh, Peacock, uh, any of the streaming... Amazon Prime is not the streaming service. Amazon Prime Video. Not the primary revenue source for their companies. Yeah. And, like, my, my Netflix subscription per month, like... Like, obviously, like, we're we're patron-supported, so, like, you know, we we subsidize our Netflix account through that, but, like, have, like, if I were just paying for it myself, it's, what, like, 18, 20 bucks, somewhere around yep, there? somewhere around there. Um, which, like, I'm paying 15 a month for HBO, so, what, my Netflix is maybe 20% higher at, at, at most, uh, but I use my Netflix like at least like five times more than I use my HBO. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that that's something to remember is that also, you know, these companies, while they present a better value for you, the second that there is reduced competition, they will not present a better value. For you. I I'm tired. I'm tired of people acting like value is like something that you can measure and not something that's completely subjective to the individual consumer. Uh, so something that people need to recognize is that Disney plus had that three year option that you could, that you prepaid for 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's coming up, everybody. That's going to... And I bet they're not going to offer another three-year option like that. And I bet as soon as that three-year option is done, they're going to raise prices. Because remember, they're adding an ad-supported tier, which is probably going to come in at the current monthly value of Disney+. Plus, and they're probably going to bring in uh, an ad-free version of Disney+. Plus, or they're going to bump the ad-free Disney plus version up to like probably $13 or something like that. And I better hear that same fucking energy when that happens. <sighs> let me, let me prognosticate for a moment. One other thing I do want to bring up is that, uh, Netflix still year over year from first quarter to first quarter, uh, had increased revenue of, uh, 9.8%. So, you know, they still grew, they still grew in revenue. Thanks to, uh, price gouging of their customers which I don't like, but it's the main reason they need to, like, that's how they grow. Uh, unless, like, they willingly decide to drop subscription prices. I've never seen a company do that, so they'll never do it. But, yeah, they made a gamble on increasing prices again, uh, and mm-hmm. revenue-wise, it worked out for them. And plus, whenever all the other options decide to raise their prices, and Netflix looks Bet like a better deal, people get back on for that increased price and increased revenue again. I I fear for the day when Netflix does succumb in the only names in the streaming entertainment sphere are Disney, Comcast, you know, like whoever owns because Netflix Netflix is a, a decent sized corporation at this point, but they're not tied they're not tied to anything else. No. You know what I mean? Like they're they're a big corporation, but they're independent as an entity. Whereas like, fuck it, D- Disney like fucking scares me. <laughs> it's like D- Disney, Nestle, and Coca Cola. I think should be scrubbed from the face of the earth. Yeah, probably. Uh, but like this reminds me of like AT and T. Whenever AT and T owned um, HBO and therefore Warner, yeah, which is now spun off into its own thing. But whenever uh, there was whenever net neutrality went away, Warner AT and T just went like, "Hey, the data you use for HBO uh, won't count towards your data cap," and it's mm-hmm. like that is fucking terrifying that they ha- they that they own the data and then they can offer value to its to your cu- to your to you by saying, "Hey, we're not going to count it towards your shit." Like that's like that's yeah. horrifying. It's it's basically we're. We're back to, you know, like the 50s coal towns and we're all being paid in company script that we can only spend at the company store. Uh, Yeah, Uh, like I I want people to be more informed with what's going on. Like, I I don't want people to just be like, oh, I look at like looking at simple dollars and cents. If you have to do that, fine. But if you don't have to. Look at the bigger fucking picture and understand that there are severely problematic things happening in the turn in like corporate world right now. That's capitalism, baby. Uh, money machine go burr. All right. Uh, so after the earnings call, Reed Hastings stated the company will now begin focusing on pa- the password sharing problem it has, claiming that a hundred million households are using another household's account. Hastings also stated that Netflix will add a cheaper ad-supported tier in the next year or two. And finally, the company will begin pulling back on its spending growth. Uh, That means the amount of money the company invests in programming will no longer grow and more likely stay stagnant. 
All right. Uh, which one of these do you want to tackle first? Uh, I think the most simple one is them pulling back on their spending growth. Um, easiest way to increase your profit is to cut spending. Um, That's what we said for years. They have been spending an absurd amount on content. It's been going up and up and up every year. It's not sustainable. Hit hit a point where you're happy with the rate that you're putting stuff onto your service and hold there. Uh, a lot of people are complaining, being like, Netflix needs to make better content. Uh, which, like, yes, I wish I, I, I too wish I could wave a magic wand and be like, I, I would like better content, please. That's not how that works, uh, especially when you have people who are seemingly as hands off as Netflix, which, like, uh, you want to talk about Russian Doll right now? Russian Doll season two? It's been three years since we've seen Russian Doll se- at all. Uh, and apparently, no one gives a shit. So, yeah, I don't give th- a shit. Yeah. If you weren't making me watch it next week, I wouldn't watch it. That's fair. I mean, hell, we don't have to watch it anyway. I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't, like, I thought I the first it. season was a... Uh, fuck. That's fair. I thought the first season ended in the correct spot. I didn't even know they were trying to do a second season of that show. But, like, this, yeah. this should make you scared if you are uh, a fan of Stranger Things that maybe that will drop off precipitously. That Dragon Prince will drop off precipit- precipitously. Like, Shows actively disappearing for three mo- three years at a fucking time should scare you. That Netflix isn't just being like, hello, we need something from you guys. Just do something. Right. I don't know. I I wouldn't be upset if they, you know, pulled back throwing money all over fucking town and just leaned on their core properties more. Yeah. Like, how quickly did we get the first three seasons of Dragon Prince? And then since then, just nothing. And it's been, I, I know that there's been a global pandemic. But it's animation. Like, I, I don't, I, I haven't forgotten that. But yeah, it's it's animation. People can work from home and do it. All the voice actors can record their lines from home. Yeah. Just le- lean on these people. Tell them, get it fucking done. Or you're fired and we'll hire somebody who will. Right. I don't uh, understand. Yeah, there there needs to be a point. Like, everyone talks about, like, the corporatism of Netflix, but, like, I look at it and just go, you're still getting a lot of freedom to do whatever you want. Like, uh, quite obviously. Like, if, if it can take you years between seasons and Netflix is still like, yeah, sure, yeah, do whatever you want, you're, you're living the good life. You're living La Vida mm-hmm. Loca, as some would say. You know? So... The, like Stranger Things, Russian Doll, I understand, got backed up by the pandemic. Uh, and also Stranger Things was revealed to have a $275 million budget for its entire season four, which some of which is due to like COVID protocols and stuff having to be enacted and testing. But even still, it's a fuck ton of money for a, a season that like, I don't know, hopefully it's popular enough that people care when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, spending growth yet. Like you said, just focus on your core properties and then go from there. Uh, there, There is a clear delineation of certain movies that you can look at and just go, why are you spending any kind of money on this? Like Brazen, for instance. Why are you, why, I'm like, uh, do I want to see Alyssa Milano in like a, a, a corset? Sure. Do I need to mm-hmm. spend an hour and a half of a movie to get to that point? No. You know? Say like nickel and dime savings that way. Save yourself a billion dollars by not investing in uh, clearly garbage movies. 
But again, like I said, in this way, like ma waving a magic wand and being like, hello, fix this. All right. Uh, password sharing. Uh, we engage in this technically. Uh, we're part of the hundred million. That's true. I don't think this is cut and dry. I mean, we saw the 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 thing they're doing, which is about gonna be like four for an extra four bucks, you can share this among two extra households that are not your like within your household. Mm -hmm. And of course, like everyone, it, everyone brings up good questions about this. What does that mean for someone who travels for business? Like, what what happens there? What about somebody who has a Netflix account? Where they uh like it's a split family and they use the Netflix account of the one side of the family, like what what is what happens there? And I think those are fair questions, but we still don't know. Netflix hasn't laid out what the the password sharing plan is yet. Once we find that out, then we can all react and potentially be enraged. Until yeah. then, we're fighting over nothing. Yeah, because literally, what you have written here is Reed Hastings stated that the company will now begin focusing on the password sharing problem it has. That's it. That's the entire thing. I don't know what that means. There's no there's nothing actionable in that statement. Yeah, I I read the quote and there's nothing. Like it's just like, yeah, like we it seems like we're leaving money on the table, which yeah. kind of are. Yeah, like, they are. They absolutely are. So, like monetizing that, I understand. But the problem is, I think when you announce a price hike and that you're doing this at the same time, I think that's where you start losing. I think you need to pick one or the other. You need to either introduce a price hike or say, we're looking into the password sharing. Because, and a lot of people brought this up, that was part of Netflix's marketing strategy. They would say, like, there, there's that tweet that's circulating right now, 2017, love is sharing your password, you know? Like, clearly, that was a thing that they cared about. Like, not, or like, that was a thing they completely ignored because it made them look better. And now that they're, they've stopped growing, yeah. they're going to tackle it. Well, yeah, they, they didn't have to care when they were growing year over year with no end in sight. And that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then, what was this? Oh, uh, ad supported tier. Uh, it's an ad supported tier. It is not ads getting added to the $20 tier. It's an ad-supported tier. Stop fucking raging. Oh my god, they're trying to add value so that uh, customers that, that pours with less money than me can get Netflix too? I'm canceling my subscription. I know, right? Uh, the, the, anybody who says, uh, the second I see an ad on Netflix, uh, I will cancel. Uh, well, I have good news. You won't see an ad on Netflix because it won't be added to your tier. Yeah, because you, you can't read. You didn't read the article. Yeah. You, you read it, like I said, you read the title, you formed an opinion off of six words. Yep. Uh, which, you know, incidentally is how most people uh, join religion. Uh, that's true. All right. Uh, next up is a thing I don't have. I tried reading this article. It was way too long for me to understand. Uh, it was more like an expose-ish type of thing. Uh, Phil Rinda, Netflix's director of creator leader, creative leadership and development for original animation, along with several staff members, have been fired. Uh, complaints from those who have worked with Netflix animation state the view of the arm changed from being creator-driven to corporate analytics-driven. With one producer saying the message went from, quote, we want to be the home of everyone, everybody's favorite show 
unquote, to quote, we want to make we want to make what our audiences want to see, end quote. Uh, Caleb, you're talking about Dragon Prince. And <laughs> it seems like Phil Rinda was a major person that uh, like Dragon Prince even was under. So like is I, I don't know too much about the animation arm. I know about the anime arm, uh, which is lacking ish. I wonder if it falls in the same area, but like I I feel like this is all getting wrapped up in the whole Netflix thing. Like a bunch of projects also got canceled. Like there was this uh, show called Bone that apparently was announced in 2019. Production of that yeah. thing canceled. Based on the uh, graphic novel, right? Yes. Like that got yeah. canceled, but huh. like we hadn't Damn. seen anything about it. Yeah, like, right. Like I remember the announcement, but like it's been 3 years. So like what's going on? Like obviously there's something at Netflix animation that isn't working right now. And Netflix made the decision we need to make a change in order to get some results out of this. Yeah. Just uh from my point of view in my line of work, like I would rather do more work than pay somebody to not work. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, uh, th there's that. Uh, finally, uh, some odds and ends from earnings calls, Fallout and stuff. So uh, we found out that Cowboy Bebop had originally been given a green light for a second season, even before the first season came out. Yeah, I I seem to remember hearing something to that effect, but. But obviously, performance-wise, didn't hit, yeah. so Netflix was like, no, we can't do this. Yeah, and, and you fucking killed it, so go ahead and give us bad reviews and uh, complain at us on Twitter. Uh, you're the problem. Yeah. Because you can't pull your thumb out of your ass. We like that show, and you know how much we, we actively complained about it being canceled? Uh, maybe five minutes on a podcast, and we never tweeted at anybody saying, hey, bring the show back. Yeah. I don't know. I, I fucking told everybody that I'll never watch their fucking favorite anime because of it. That's true. <laughs> uh, we talked about Bright 2 and it potentially uh, returning. Well, it's officially dead. Long live Bright 2. Uh, it is. Uh, there's a lot of consternation that it's uh, something to do with the slap, but it's just uh, apparently with, you know, the fact that Netflix is not growing anymore, they need to refocus their IPs, uh, and Bright was not an IP anybody gave a shit about in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I knew probably 30 minutes into the first Bright that I didn't want to see a Bright 2. That's fair. That's it. That's the news. Uh, I hope you enjoyed a very long, long version of us getting on soapboxes. Yeah, I hope I hope you've enjoyed this edition of White Men Complaining. Uh, and with that, let's get into downstream and talk about some trailers for shows that will inevitably be canceled. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line. Damn, that's a that's a hell of a transition because it's true. Uh, the first show that's going to be canceled is called Welcome to Eden. What if your trip? Uh, what if the trip of your life means not coming back home? Welcome to Eden Season 1, coming this May 6, only on Netflix. A group of young adults attend a party on a remote island, but the supposed paradise they find waiting for them is anything but. I think it's a cult. 
I think it's a cult. Definitely it a cult. Like a cult. Yeah, it's a, a YA cult show thing. Yeah. Take the drugs, then we'll indoctrinate you. I am a junkie. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's also a foreign language show. I don't know how well these do. Uh, I, I saw people comparing it to Elite, which is one of the Spanish shows, uh, Spanish language shows that uh, people seem to like on Netflix. Uh, I don't know. It's YA. It's outside of my purview. Uh, I, I'm not really a great judge of, you know, what is good in YA and what will be a hit. So uh, yeah. it it's not for me. That's all I can leave you with. That's OK. It's probably not for me either. All right. Uh, next thing that's going to get canceled is Clark, based on the truth and lies of the notorious Swedish banker Clark Olofsson, the man who gave rise to the expression of Stockholm stint. Stockholm Syndrome. God, I can't talk today. Or ever. Uh, this is the unbelievable story of Clark Olofsson, the uh, controversial criminal who inspired the term Stockholm Syndrome based on his truths and lies. This is Bill Skarsgård playing uh, a crazy, crazy person. Uh, A.K.A. let's just put Bill Skarsgård in front of a camera and uh, we'll write the script around him later. Uh, that's that's true. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice person. Um, I don't know. This looks uh, this looks wild. I don't know. It seems like something uh, I wouldn't mind checking out. But uh, it's I guess like Forrest Gump if he was a criminal because he just like goes around <laughs> and does crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks wild. It also looks like you know the mid two thousands kind of like biopicy style. At least the way the the trailers cut, yeah, where it's just yeah, like it kind of looks like blow or something. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, it could be okay. That's Bill Skarsgård, so there's at least that. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a perfect pairing starring Victoria Justice and Adam Demos. Uh, anytime Victoria Justice does something on Netflix. We'll have to talk about the trailer for it uh, because of my actions and Dan punishing me for my hubris. Uh, that's true. To land a major client, a hard-driving L.A. wine company exec, Victoria Justice, travels to an Australian sheep station where she ends up working as a ranch hand and sparking with a rugged local, Adam Demos. Uh, to whenever a major client, a go-getter LA wine exec signs on to work at an Australian sheep farm where she sparks with a rugged, mysterious local is uh, the second time that they said that in the description. I don't know. Looks like any any romantic comedy and also like any what Americans think Australian people are like depiction. Yeah, uh, Adam Demos is most famous from his run in uh, Falling in Love, where he played a Kiwi. And now he's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. playing his native Australian role. That's uh, oh, okay, we can't tell the fucking difference. That's true. Uh, <clears throat> it looks... <laughs> this looks like suffering. <laughs> uh, it, it just looks like the same thing. The same thing that always happens yeah. on netflix it's yeah. just the same so the same patrons get on it prime yeah. target Ugh, don't this to me come on yaney 
and start calling out individual patrons. Uh, did you watch anything this week that you want to talk about? Oh boy, did I. I was I was very depressed and didn't want to do anything but sit on the couch and uh, watch TV and play Stardew Valley. So I watched uh, Zoolander. Oh, okay. So Zoolander, of course, is the uh, Ben Stiller vehicle. It's also got uh, Will Ferrell and uh, the guy who says wow a lot. I like it. It's uh, it's just a big, dumb comedy. It's about male models. And uh, but why male I don't models? Know, like the. Yeah, I, I love that part so much. Duchovny's like great in his little bit part in this movie, but yeah, um, I don't know. I like the conceit of the movie, which is that like throughout history, male models have been used as assassins because they're just like in peak physical condition and also empty headed and like basically like programmable <laughs> to like do shit f- without thinking about it. So, right. Uh, it's funny. It's a funny movie. They're all the same look. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> it's beautiful. I don't know. I also like, I really like Jerry Stiller in this, um, as just like Derek's agent. <laughs> He's just like yelling on the phone, like Jesus Christ, Cynthia, it's a casserole. It'll stay. <laughs> Jerry Stiller's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Now, have you seen the the sequel, which I've heard is? Uh, I haven't. I've heard it's very no. bad. But uh, did not realize that Ben Stiller directed this until oh, really? this time watching it. Yeah. So good for him. Actually, Ben Stiller's not a bad director. There's a couple movies that he's directed that I that I liked, but yeah, you know, it's nothing like incredible or anything but you know competently made yeah uh i also watched the mitchells versus the machines oh yeah yeah um it's it had been a while since uh we watched this so i wanted to check it out again uh and it holds up it's very good yeah it's uh it's all my favorite things about spider verse uh with like (laughs) Uh, family comedy aspect rolled up into it. Because, like, just, I don't know, the ways, like, they play around with the animation in, like, interesting ways. So, like, uh, the main character is, like, an amateur filmmaker. Uh, So, like, they'll just have, like, graphics and shit pop up on the screen while they're just doing normal shit. Mm. That's good. I like it. So, uh, I went to Ben Stiller's IMDb to figure out what else he's directed. Uh, so we got Reality Bites, The Cable Guy, Zoolander, Tropic Thunder. Uh, it's been like quite a while between Zoolander and Tropic Thunder. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, you love. And Nick says it was uh, Ben Stiller trying to get a bunch of vacations. Uh, Zoolander 2. <laughs> and then uh, Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. He directed six episodes. So it seems like he's a director now. Yeah, I didn't realize he did Tropic Thunder. That's great. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I didn't watch anything. I watched uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure season four. 
and and watch Jorno uh, Giovanna hack it up. Nice. So we'll uh, cut into a quick break uh, for live stream for the Cure Six, and when we come back from that break, it'll be time to talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure season four, uh, part five, Golden Winds. Yeah, it's stupid. I agree. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for The Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get our main view topic for the week. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Golden Wind. Or Winds, or whatever. Yeah. Golden uh, Experience. Yeah, JoJo Part 5 Golden Wind, or Vento Ario, as it's also known, uh, which is Golden Wind in Italian, uh, is a JoJo part about a mob boss with multiple personality disorder trying to kill his daughter and a group of sexually confused flamboyant guys trying to stop him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the femboy is real in this one. Uh out of all of the JoJo parts, this one's the gayest, uh, which is why I like it the most. Uh, I'm tired of people saying that I'm gay because I'm a JoJo fan. I mean, I am gay, but it's not because I'm a JoJo fan. Sure. All right. Uh, so, what did you think? Yes, this is this is it. So this is the <laughs> this is the season that I actually feel like the most strong opinions about. So, like, there's at least that, where I go, ah, I really connected to this season in some way, shape, or form. Now, not all the strong opinions are good. Mm -hmm. I have uh, many problems. Uh, the the first problem being that I think uh, Giorno Giovanna fucking sucks. He is maybe the worst protagonist from the entire series, because he doesn't do anything. There are swaths of episode where episodes where he just is not a focus at all. I I think he's underused. Yes, they focus more on the team dynamic rather than like the JoJo hero ness for this one, which I think works for it in the most part. But like we were talking about it, you know, like as you were watching through stuff, it's like Jorno doesn't do a lot of fighting early on, like. Early on and like at big stretches throughout the middle, he just doesn't do a lot of the fighting because like the like the heavy hitters of the group are Mista and Narancia. Because uh, both Bucciarati of their stands are like gun based. So. Yeah. But like even Bucciarati to a degree does way more fighting than than Giorno ever does. Yeah. So like 
I connect more with, you know, Bucciarati than I do Giorno, because, like I said, there are huge swaths where Giorno isn't really even a character. It's just, it's Bucciarati calling all the shots. Which, which sucks, because, like, especially early on, some of the things that they establish that, like, Golden Wind can do, they just, like, don't utilize that throughout. Like, so, like, uh... Golden Wind is, or Gold Gold Experience, as it's called in uh, the fucking non-localized version, uh, because it's um, the fuck is Gold Experience? Uh, it's a Prince album. It's a it's a stand that you know, a, aside from being like a close range power type stand, like all of the main protagonist stands are. Um, it also has the ability to manipulate and create life, so it can like give life to inanimate things. Uh, but also, as like part of doing that, if that living thing is then attacked, the attack gets reflected onto the user. And after like the fifth episode, they don't use that or bring it up. Right. Like it was used for uh, Leaky Eye Lenny. I, mean, I forget what the fuck his name is. Leaky like, Eye Luca. Luca. He got hit. They, they he got it. stabbed in the face, so his tear duck always tear duct always leaked yeah so like it, it happens to him and then Jorno's just like yeah you got the attack reflected on you and it's like cool it's an interesting power but like it's probable that they were like oh we made this unbroken like broken and completely unbalanced so we can't use this fucking stand ability so we have to just make him go away and have everybody else do everything mm-hmm. it seems so yes, that's my strong opinion about uh, part five is that Giorno kind of sucks. But like he also has like because and also it's also the fact that he has like this interesting lineage. Like he is a Jojo like Giorno Giovanni. He's he's like, a Jojo and a Dio and a Dio. And like I brought it up to you like uh, and I get what you were saying. Like I understand like why they don't have Jotaro actually as like a character in this. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that we never see him reconcile with Dio potentially being his parent or, or being his parent in any kind of way I don't, is... I don't think that he ever finds strange. out that Dio was his parent. Right. They say it in, like, an opening monologue, like, introducing Giorno to us in the first place. Like, the, a picture of Dio, the the picture of Dio that we got in part three. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, part three. Where he's, like, you know, he got his hand on his shoulder looking over it, kind of, like, looking, like... Looking at them back muscles bulging, like that's that's the that's the deal we know of, and that's all we get of it. And we're like, yeah, he's Dio's son, but because but with Joe Joseph Joe or Jonathan Joe Star's body, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. I'd love to see them go through that, and then they never do. They never talk about yeah. it. Like it's not even brought up to him as a character. The only real connection that he has to Dio is the blonde hair and like his stands cry of muda 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 when he's doing rap, like rapid punches which is futile it translates yeah. to futile or futile or useless like he's yep. just basically saying like you're useless you're useless while beating the fuck out of you right and he he does a couple times <laughs> when Giorno really gets pissed the fuck off uh he does it for like you know what in the manga would be like seven pages of him shouting muda while punching somebody a whole lot well, yeah, you like, see of, the, you... of the JoJo's, like, Giorno tends to be the most angry. And, like, that 
Like, he doesn't have the god complex of Dio, but, like, I feel like he has the temper from Dio. Yeah. And just from, like, his shitty childhood. Also a shitty childhood. But, yeah, so, that's that's ultimately my big problem with the, the show. Well, ultimately his background doesn't fucking matter. Like, he can be whatever. Like, you, you have to put in the JoJo somewhere. Like, he has to be a JoJo from something. And being that you're setting this in 2001... I, I think is when it's being set. You yes. can't just like, like he's got to be somebody's son. And like, we already had Joseph's son. We have, and like Jotaro doesn't seem like, especially because we find out later in the show that like Jotaro was confined basically to America and Asia and never Europe. So like, it couldn't be him. So they have to do like something weird. And so they make it Dio having, uh, carnal relations with a woman when he was in his I'm trying to gather strength by murdering women phase. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Bruno Bucciarati, who is uh, he's the real one. He's the best. He's he's the best. Br- character. Bruno's fucking awesome. Uh, also, I one of my favorite things about Bucciarati is that he's just a fucking asshole. So like whenever <laughs> so like first episode or two, like Jorno runs afoul of Leaky Eye Luca and ends up, uh, you know, killing him or like getting Luca to kill himself by attacking a frog that was made with gold experience that then like reflects the damage back to him. Uh, so like Bruno tracks him down and confronts him about it, and he claims to be able to like taste somebody's sweat and tell if they're lying, which is not true. Bucciarati doesn't have that ability, but he does it just because he's an asshole to fuck with Giorno. And oh, it's yeah, it's hilarious. Fantastic. It's it's hilariously <laughs> fantastic. Uh, and then his stand is Sticky Fingers, uh, which is Zipperman. Uh, yeah, it's named for a Rolling Stones album. But yeah, it's uh, localized as Zipperman because its ability is to uh, unzip objects so he'll just like tear a hole in space or like unzip somebody's body so that they're like unable to move or like it it gets real weird at some points because he can like hide inside walls or like inside other people's bodies or like uh detach his own limbs and attach somebody else's limbs to him and weird shit yeah it's real trippy but it's it's super cool uh i he's probably the like He's a complicated character in that he like he has like this loyalty to the the mafioso. Uh, mm-hmm. He also uses the most Italian words, uh, but also like he has this relationship with the mafioso. But he's also like, I need to take down the mafioso because like there's drugs in my street and I don't fucking want that. And he finds out that the mafioso is the reason there's drugs on his streets. So like he goes from being staunchly loyal to them because they picked him up and like made him what he is to now uh, being against it and wanting to like basically supplant the boss by any means necessary in order to stop the drug trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the main thrust of this. Like the whole reason, like Giorno Giovanna always says, I have a dream, uh, which his dream is, you know, basically to become the leader of the mafia so that he can stop the drug trade. Um, but that's, I mean, we were talking about this too. Like, I like this part a lot because like none of them are good people. No, 
like they're the heroes by circumstance because like they they think that like the drug trade is destroying lives which is true and they want to mm-hmm. stop it but like all of them are killers right we like we talked about this like uh kira from the last the last part like nobody seemed to want to actually kill him at like mm-hmm. During their yeah, fight, and he him. ends up getting run over by a fucking ambulance because nobody right. can just fucking end his life. It's like, it's like I always say about like Batman. There's a certain number of times that Joker escapes from Arkham where it's now Batman's fault that people are dying because he won't just fucking kill the Joker. Right. So like seeing the the protagonist actually fucking murder somebody was refreshing because it was just like just like. We had like whole horse in like 19 episodes fucking in part three. And it's like, no, we don't need whole horse <laughs> a million fucking episodes. Just kill him already. Like he's so inconsequential. Also, that would have helped shave down the episode count by a few yeah. if we just killed whole horse. And also whole horse isn't even part horse. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but like having them kill people like. Like you said, yeah, they're not the the good like they're the good guys because the story says they are, but they are not good people. Like they have their own honor code, which is what makes them interesting. Because having an honor code and still killing is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh like they're they're mafiosi, but it's like there there's honor among thieves. Like they're not just out to fucking get rich, although that's certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, as just the the thinnest of, like, links between the greater JoJo-verse and this, we have Koichi come back for a little bit, so his stand Damn. Echoes shows up. Uh, but really, like, so the, this, uh, you know, you, you saw this referenced way back uh, when we did The Spoke Kashibi Rohan of... Uh, Koichi trying to convince uh, Rohan to write in the ability to speak Italian because he was oh, taking yeah. a trip to Italy. That's this. Yeah. Um, and they, they kind of reference it here that like uh, Rohan taught Koichi to speak Italian. Right. Uh, that might be the biggest missed opportunity is that, you know, we could have had terrible, terrible, terrible Italian accents again. Mm hmm. Uh, but instead, they decided to just be like, look, everyone's speaking Italian, but everyone's speaking English in the anime because they are. Well, at least my yeah. version of speaking English, they are. So for a little bit, like, Koichi's there at the behest of Jotaro because, like, they found out that Dio had a kid who became involved in organized crime, and they were trying to determine if he was, like, a Dio-level threat or if he was just, like a decent person, which like Koichi's like, no, he's, you know, his tactics are, you know, brutal or whatever. Like he's in the, the fucking mafia, but like, he's actually got an, an honor code and isn't like a piece of shit. Uh, so Koichi, after seeing the fucking stand arrow in Italy, uh, decides to go back and then not follow up on it with any of the fucking, uh, Morio crew. And just disappears forever. Yeah. After uh, knowing that there is a stand arrow there. Yeah, it's 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 fine because like we I prefer a more contained story. Of course, it has threads to yeah. you know the the greater JoJo universe with the stand arrow, and eventually another character that shows up. But it, I'm mm. fine with it being like 
this is the story. Yeah. Um, so back on to our main cast, I guess. Uh, we have Leone Obakio, who is a disgraced former cop who was uh, like kind of set up, like he ended up taking the fall for his partner's murder uh, before joining the mafia. Uh, and his stand is Moody Blues, or <laughs> in the localized version, it's Moody Jazz, because jazz is kind of like blues. Yeah. Uh, it has the power to rewind and like view past events, which is interesting. Uh, and he can like use it in clever ways. Like at one point they, um, like they get it to fly a plane for them because like it can rewind to when the pilot was there and mimic the pilot's movements and stuff. It's neat. I don't know. It's a, it's a cool stand ability. It's it's purely a support stand. It doesn't really do a lot of fighting. Yeah, uh, Abakio is the worst fucking character. Uh, I like him as a character. I don't. I don't know. He's a he's yeah, he's fine. He's a little pissant. Like all he does is complain the whole time about Jorno existing and Jorno That's doing anything, and then Jorno true. goes off and does a correct thing, and he's still like, Puh, "You're a fucking idiot." It's like, oh my god, just shut the fuck up at some point. Which like he's. He's more accepting of Giorno, I think, than, like, Fugo is, but, like, he's more vocal about it, Yeah, I guess. But, uh, I don't know, his his standability is advancing the plot. Yes. And then when they don't need the, the plot advanced anymore, they fucking murder him. Yes, that's true. They fucking murder him so hard. Uh, he gets his whole chest cavity punched through. And I felt nothing. I just went, good. <laughs> I, I literally just went, good. I don't have to hear this fucking man speak ever again. I'm so happy. Uh, and then uh, we have Guido Mista with his stand Sex Pistols, or Six Bullets in the localization. Uh, it's six tiny stands that will uh, ride along on the bullets that Mista fires out of his gun, and they will like guide the bullets. So it's uh, similar to Whole Horse's Emperor, but like it can do more interesting things with it. Because, uh, I don't know, like, they ha they exert, like, more complete control over the bullet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Mista's interesting. Like, he's actually, like, he's one of the people that survives at the end, and uh, mm -hmm. we love him for, for living, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, he's basically their enforcer. Like, whenever somebody absolutely positively has to be murdered, he's the guy. Yeah, like there's the whole like train thing with like uh, Grateful Dead and uh, what what the fuck is the fish the fishing? Uh, Beach oh, Boy. Oh, it's Beach Boy. That's right, Beach Boy. That's right. Like like they send Mista off to to handle that shit because he's got a gun. Yeah. And then I like I like how uh, they start the journey and then like all the characters are just there and like one by one their stands come out and do stuff. Uh. So, like, the the last of, like, the main five, I guess, which, like, there's really a main six, which is actually, like, a main seven, but, like, the... But they all fall <laughs> off at different points and yeah. intervals. But, like, the, the other big one is uh, Aerosmith, which is the stand of Narancia, uh, or it's called Little Bomber in That's... the localized version. Yo, I never would have guessed it was called Aerosmith <laughs> based yeah, off of it's... Little Bomber. It's one of the most egregious ones, but uh, yeah. basically it's uh, a mini fighter plane 
that like he uses to attack and like it can shoot guns and drop bombs at people. Uh, but then like the other really cool ability of it is like Narancha has like a little head mounted fucking radar sensor that like he can track people by their breathing. Um, so he's he does scout scouting reconnaissance as well as uh, dispatching enemies. So, yeah. Uh, and then one of the people that's not there for the whole journey is uh, Panacotta Fugo with his stand Purple Haze or uh, Purple Smoke, as it's localized. I, I knew what it was. It was just like, uh, OK, like, are you really yeah. that afraid like, of not, getting sued? Like, you're not on, fooling man. me. Yeah. But uh, Purple Haze's ability is basically like it's a manifestation of uh, Fugo's like incomprehensible rage where it um, like it just spreads a virus that like if you come in contact with it, it melts your flesh and you just die. Uh, so obviously it's insanely overpowered. So they have to reach a decision point where people are deciding if they want to go on the rest of the journey or not. And Fugo's the only one that says no, because if yeah. he had gone with them, the rest of the fucking season would have been so fucking trivial yeah. that like, it would have been over in about 10 minutes. It's, it's one of those things where it's just like, man, I just don't feel like you understood balance in your own show. Like, like we yeah. talked about with golden experience or gold experience. Like, it it just has the ability to be fucking broken, so they have to just well, yeah. write Giorno off the plot for episodes at a time. Well, that's, uh, like, there's a lot of that in this season, because, like, later on with one of the enemy stands called Notorious B.I.G., uh, like, the whole thing of it is, like, the user's already dead. It's, like, an automatic stand that basically is, like, a fucking zombie that tracks movement. Uh, and it, like they find out like, oh, it's just unkillable. So they have to come up with like some bullshit of getting it like resolved, but like not killing it by like dropping it in the ocean. Because like since it tracks movement, it just like constantly attacks the waves and is trapped there forever. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a weird one, but uh, Notorious Chase, I think it was in the localized yeah. version. It's like, come on. Which, uh, yeah, like we know. And like they even like on screen, it says <laughs> Notorious B.I.G. And they're I calling forgot about that for a Chase. second. Yeah, but, that's uh, fucking fantastic. I don't know. It has it's the same as like cars in part two. Like he becomes so powerful that he's literally unkillable. So the only solution is to just like remove him from the planet. Right. And then, uh, so, like, the first half of the season basically is, like, uh, well, first, like, they have to find this treasure uh, to, like, donate to uh, the Passione crime family so that Bucciarati can become a capo. Uh, and then, like, after that happens, they get a mission to protect, like, the mob boss's daughter. Uh, who is Trish, who becomes, like, the other member of the group. Uh, and then, like, eventually she manifests a stand, too, which is Spice Girl, or uh, Spicy Lady in the fucking... Spicy Lady! Uh, it's so bad. Um, but basically, like, her ability is, like, she can turn matter elastic, so, like, any attack that comes her way, she can, like, 
basically say I'm I'm rubber and you're glue and all of your attacks will bounce off of me and stick to you. Yeah. Uh she gets one episode she gets the episode with the the notorious BIG stand where she mm-hmm. gets to do things and then she's relegated towards oh I feel my dad's aura duty. Yeah. Which uh, uh I whenever we cover Golden know. Wind or not Golden Wind uh Stone Ocean uh, later this year whenever part 2 comes out cuz uh now I'm basically committed uh i i hope that there are better written female characters because as we've progressed throughout this entire series it just goes to show that like if you're a woman character in this universe they have no idea what to do with you like you'll you'll have like maybe an episode or two where you do something and then it's just like uh, who gives a shit gay men (laughs) i don't know most of the characters in in Stone Ocean are female, so hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And normally I don't complain about that kind of thing either, but like I it's so noticeable that it's just like a bunch of dudes and then just like this random girl who most who, of the time who is, is the plot device, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, I guess the other stand user that would be in their group uh is a turtle who they don't say his name in the show, at least in the localized version, but the turtle's name is Coco Jumbo. Uh, and he has a stand called Mr. President. Yep. Uh, which basically is just like they have a key that they put into the turtle's back. Uh, and it creates like a pocket dimension where they can hide out. So like they use it to like transport themselves like incognito, which never works because the enemy stand user always finds them. Always finds them. It's it's the same thing every time, you know, they get on a plane. Oh, enemy stand user. They get on a boat. Enemy stand user. Uh, they they're they're in a car. Enemy stand user. Doesn't matter. You you take any mode of transportation in this universe. It doesn't matter. Enemy stand user is there. So like the one of the main things is like uh, there's an assassin team that's like sent to track them down, uh, and they're all stand users. So like of those, what was your favorite? Um, voice actor wise, uh, we have uh, where is he? It is. Uh, formaggio, which is uh, very close. I, I think it's actually the Italian word for cheese, uh, because the entire hit squad is just <laughs> the, the name the name of food. Uh, very Dragon Ball Z. Uh, he is voiced by Jonah Scott, who is uh, the deep voice Netflix voice actor guy. He he plays uh, Formaggio, um, and he has his I forget what the fuck his stand is called, but uh, uh, it's Little Feet, uh, which. Uh, I think the localized name is Tiny Feet. Yeah. But yeah, its power is like, it shrinks you. So like, it makes Narancia tiny. Uh, I think my favorite is probably... Uh, Prosciutto, uh, who is who's the stand user of Grateful Dead, which just Yeah, Grateful Dead's a good people. one. Great, the Grateful Dead episode is great. It's, it's fucking intense, but... Uh... Yeah, like Grateful Dead basically just like exudes this smoke that causes people to rapidly age. Uh and I guess like they find out that it relates to like body temperature. Uh so like Mista has to like take a bunch of ice and try to cool himself down while yeah. he's trying to find this guy and shoot him in the fucking head. Yeah, and uh Trish never ages because she's a woman and therefore they run cooler. Yeah, they explain it as like they're they're attacking men first because like women, I guess 
according to the show, have slightly lower body temperatures. <laughs> sure. I just went, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, you see, like, a bunch of old ladies just, like, dying on, on the fucking mm-hmm. train because they're old. And just like, what about them? Yeah. Because you can kill all of the random people that don't matter. Yeah, of course. But yeah, tr- yeah. Th- that's the funniest part about the whole thing is that Trish never fucking ages. It's like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, I don't know. The one that I like a lot. Um, it's it's a bit later, but uh, I think uh, I think Green Day is real cool. Oh, he basically yeah. like uh propagates like this deadly mold, but like it's kind of keyed off of like elevation. So like if you move downward at all, it attacks you more rapidly. So like they have to keep climbing up like levels of the city to try to outrun it. Uh, and that's paired with a stand called Oasis that lets a guy just like uh, turn the ground like pliable and like swim through its street, street shark style. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that is uh, green tea in green green tea and sanctuary, and sanctuary instead of oasis. It's <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. Uh, no, that episode's cool. Like that series yeah. of they give him a three parter too. Yeah. No, like, it's it's actually cool. a pretty cool fight, and that's like that's the one where it's like okay, Jorno is a badass now because he fucking murders the Green Day user <laughs> in just a cool way. Yeah, that's where my thoughts on Giorno kind of turned around because it's like, oh, good, Giorno's actually doing something. Thank God. Yeah, like, it's not just Bucciarati hard carrying the squad through the entire series. Yeah, um, I don't know. In terms of uh, localized names, I think that the most one of the most egregious ones is uh, there's a stand called Metallica, which they just <laughs> call Metallic. It's like yeah. that's lazy. Yeah, that like I don't know you. You could have come up with something. I don't know what, but you could have come up with something. I don't yeah. Definitely not yeah. maybe not Sandman or something like that, but yeah. But uh yeah, so like like we were saying, uh the the plot involves them trying to find the boss's daughter and protect her, or like not trying to find her. Uh like the, she's given to them to protect. Uh so they have like a series of directions they have to like evade this this hitman team that's trying to find the mob boss's identity and uh like they're trying to use trish to uncover that uh so they're they're fighting off enemy stand users and eventually they get like there's this tower in venezia. i think uh Ven- venezia uh don't call it venice they'll get mad yeah um one character will go on a three-minute diatribe about how Italian towns got <laughs> renamed. But, uh... So, like, Trish and one protector are supposed to go to the top of this tower uh, in order to, like, hand off Trish to the boss. Uh, so they get in... Like, Bucciarati and Trish get in the elevator, uh, and then they're, like, immediately attacked... Uh, and it turns out that the boss is there and like this whole thing has been a ruse uh, just to kill Trish to try to, you know, cover up any chance anybody has of like finding out his true identity. Uh, so Bucciarati is like grievously injured and then like Gold Experience has to patch him up and like kind of save the day. Uh, 
the the boss's stand of King Crimson is revealed, uh, which can do crazy things, which like uh, for the third part in a row involves yeah. like manipulating time because that that is the unbeatable power in this universe. I, I it's just so lazy and I fuck. I just want it to be anything else like in yeah. part six. Well, they they do it. They do it in different ways. Um, each time, but like King King Crimson's one is interesting though because like it's similar to Killer Queen, like it's a stand that has a sub ability. So like it has like the tiny face on the forehead of its own face, uh, which like that part controls an ability called Epitaph, uh, which is a song by Cr- King Crimson, which lets it peer ten seconds into the future. Uh, and then like kind of predict the outcome of events. And then King Crimson's main ability is to like annihilate 10 seconds of time, like at a time. So like he can basically scrub himself from the timeline in order to like not be hit by an attack that would have hit him or whatever. Um, so like basically it, it, it leaves the effect of what happened in that period of time, but erases the cause of that effect so like if somebody like if he attacked somebody and like punched them through the head so hard that like he just fucking killed them instantly he could then erase that period of time and use that 10 seconds to walk the other direction so like he's nowhere near them and then their head just gets a giant punch wound through it it's a Mm -hmm. fucking crazy power yeah uh yeah but yeah i'm i'm I just I just need there to not be a time related stand <laughs> as the big bad. I'm just so sick of it. Well, <laughs> I have bad news. <laughs> no, I think uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of like main villain stands in part six, I guess. Like it it's it's another one that kind of evolves through multiple iterations. But. So, like, after that happens, they manage to save Trish, and they they go to um, Sardinia, which is where they find out that, like, uh, Trish was born, and, like, where her mother lived, and they find out, like, it's where the boss lived, like, before he became the boss. Uh, so they're gonna go try to find information about him. Uh, so, like... They get there, Moody Blues is, like, winding back through time to try to find information on him. And, like, King Crimson shows up and just fucking murders Abakio. Uh, but, like, he manages, like, just in the nick of time to leave an imprint of the boss's face on, like, this rock formation. Uh, which, like, they, you know, take that image and then destroy it so that, like, you know they're not being tracked or whatever. Right. Uh, so like they start searching for this face through like a uh, criminal database, essentially. Uh, and while doing that, they get contacted by a mysterious person who says, come to the Coliseum in Rome. I need to meet with you because I know who the boss is and I know how to kill him. Um, so then like that becomes the next main thing uh, is them trying to get to Rome yeah. and fighting stand users along the way. They get there. It turns out that the person at the Coliseum who was trying to guide them there 
is none other than Stardust Crusader Jean-Pierre Polnareff. Yeah, that was, that was a that was a nice surprise. Yeah, it's it's honestly a pretty cool little twist. But um, basically, like at, at the behest of like you know the Stardust Crusaders team, uh, he was following up on the Stand Arrows and managed to track one down to Italy. Uh, and like he had a run in with uh the owner of the King Crimson Stand, which turns out to be a man named Diavolo. Uh, which I'll get a little more into him because I, I skipped over a big por- portion of his story, uh, which is kind of amazing. Uh, so, like, he managed to get, you know, like, Polnareff got all fucked up. He's, like, paraplegic now. He has, like, a prosthetic, two prosthetic legs and a prosthetic arm, I think, mm-hmm. and a prosthetic eye. Like, he's all fucked up. Yeah, he's all fucked up. But, uh... So he's in a wheelchair, but like Silver Chariot uh, had accidentally gotten pierced by this arrow that he recovered, uh, which turned out to be the Requiem arrow, uh, which evolved his stand into Chariot Requiem. Uh, So we get introduced to the concept of Requiem stands, which is even more fucking broken. Yeah. Because like what Chariot Requiem does is basically like He's trying to protect the arrow and keep it from getting into anybody else's hands. Uh, And he swaps everybody's minds and bodies around. So, like, Trish is in Mista's body and vice versa. And then, like, Bucciarati is in Diavolo's body. And, like, it gets fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, So, like, kind of the end game is both groups trying to get the arrow to unlock the Requiem stand. Uh, to defeat, you know, the other side. So, like, if King Crimson gets it, then, like, the world's fucked. He'll become, like, unstoppable. Uh, but if, like, the good guys get it, they can kill Diavolo. So, Diavolo, aside from being the mafia boss, is the secondary personality of uh, Doppio, who is... Uh, a kid who has fucking disassociative identity disorder. Pretty metal. Yeah. So it's it's basically split. Uh, Dapio is like, like I said, essentially a child. And uh, like whenever he transitions into Diavolo, he like f- becomes physically larger and older and like more muscular and can fully control King Crimson. Whereas like when he's Dapio, he can use the epitaph ability. And King Crimson's arms at times, but like he's basically like, which like it's it's a really clever way for the boss to hide, because he can just be this fucking bumbling idiot, and it's not a disguise. Like he actually is that person, right? Uh, and then Diavolo takes over when he needs to. Yeah, Diavolo's cool. I think he's a cool character. Uh, I hate to stand because it's broken. Yeah, uh, <laughs> King Crimson's fucking nuts. It would be interesting, though, to see, like, maybe Jotaro, like, at training the world uh, versus King Crimson. But, uh, never gonna happen, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, they, like, Chariot Requiem makes all their bodies swap. Uh, what Jorno eventually finds out is that, like, since Diavolo slash Dapio are a split personality, 
uh, like it was two souls in one body. So when Requiem swapped their souls around, um, like Diavolo's soul latched onto one of their bodies. Uh, so one of them is like carrying Diavolo around. So that's why King Grimson keeps showing up and fucking with them. Right. Uh, when they try to get the arrow. Uh, so like they end up, uh, you know, directly facing down King Crimson and like, uh, all, like all the bodies swap back around. Uh, Polnareff gets soul swapped with the turtle. So Polnareff is a turtle now. Yep. Permanently too. Yeah. Uh, well, you, like you... whenever, whenever it ends, like, cause, uh, Polnareff's body was like Diavolo kills him like right before the soul swap happens. So like his soul can't go back to his body. So his soul just stays inside like the key on the turtle to like hang out and give them cool advice about running the mafia. Um, so that's neat. Like yeah. technically Polnareff kind of survives. Technically, um, yeah. But yeah, they're fighting over the arrow. Um, and like King Crimson gets the arrow and attempts to impale himself on it. Uh, and the arrow passes straight through him because the arrow did not choose him. Uh, so when Gold Experience picks up the arrow, he's successfully able to stab it into himself uh, because the arrow chose its new master because that's how it works. For um, some reason. For dramatic tension, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, oh, basically. King Crimson has it uh, and uh, lost it. Uh, and now it's, Gold it's Experience similar, has it. It's similar to like Thor's hammer, I guess. But uh, so Gold Experience uh, evolves into Gold Experience Requiem, uh, which is the single most broken thing that this show has ever produced. Yes. Gorudo Experience Requiem. Is that really what he says? Nah, I don't know. I like I like reading the <laughs> like the English alphabet like Japanese pronunciations on the wiki. Uh, it's funny to me. Um, but basically like it's an evolved form of gold experience, but like uh, it has the exact opposite ability of King Crimson. So like rather than like keeping the effect and removing the cause, it deletes the effect and keeps the cause. So like, Whenever Diavolo attacks Giorno and like tries to un like you know erase the time where Giorno would have hit him or whatever, like Diavolo experiences time rewinding itself, uh, and his attacks being nullified because essentially like Gold Experience Requiem's main ability is to revert everything to the zero point, so like mm. it completely nullifies your action and prevents it from ever becoming real. Uh, so, like, Diavolo can keep doing the same thing, but, like, his action will be nullified each time, and it never becomes, like, an actual thing that happens in the actual timeline. It's fucking... It's hard to try to explain. It's fucking weird and crazy, and it's the most yeah. broken power because he's, like, he's essentially invincible because, like, all all supposed actions that an opponent would do would just be reset to nothing. Um, and then like once you're hit by this effect, you can't escape it. So like 
the opponent will have every action they perform revert back to zero, like indefinitely. So like the way they defeat Diavolo is by like he gets trapped in a death loop. Uh, so like he defeats Diavolo, but like at the moment of his death, it reverts back to zero and then he experiences his death over again. And then it reverts back to zero, and that continues for all of eternity. So Diavolo yeah. will never experience death, but constantly be dying forever. It's horrifying. It's fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a show. Yeah, what a what a tremendous fucking <laughs> climax for this season. Um, so yeah, that's the climax. And now for the other strong opinion that Dan and now, has. And now for the now for the epilogue. Yeah, there's a, so there's an epilogue that takes place like halfway through uh the the penultimate episode that mm. is uh the the Bukarati crew before Giorno shows up. Uh it's mm-hmm. like right after like the leaky eye Luca stuff happens. Um, or or during it, like before or during it, yeah. Before like it's like after Bucciarati finds out that Luca was killed, but before he goes to confront Giorno about it. Right. So, so uh, Mista is charged with, because uh, like this, this florist father shows up and he's like, yo, I need you to go like murder this dude because he killed my daughter. And mm-hmm. Bucciarati's like, I don't know about that, but you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'll go look into it or I'll go get Mista to look into it. So it turns out that the 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 guy uh, it's a sculptor who is a stand user. Yeah, it's it's a sculptor who's a stand user. He has this stone that his, shows his you the fate. His stand is Rolling Stones. Uh, shows you your fate. Uh, so Bukarati is shown to be carved into the stone with a hole in his chest, which is how King Trinsman killed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Mista is trying to prevent this fate from happening, uh, and eventually destroys or not destroys the, the stone, but you know pulverizes it into dust uh and seemingly because he does such a thing that uh the his the other who i can't remember their fucking names right now uh aborecchio and uh abakio abakio and narancha uh mm-hmm. they be, they also die because of in, in this is how i understood it uh because mista interfered with uh Bukarati's with fate, fate. Yeah. yeah so that's what it like we we talked about this already a little bit, but like it it feels really anticlimactic to just like divert from this crazy action packed like fucking insane finisher to like go back and tell this essentially prequel story. But like uh, I've mentioned it before, but like one of the core like concepts in the show overall is fate. So basically, like what they're saying is that like no matter what they did, it was. It was fate that Bucciarati was going to die. And by trying to avoid that fate, like, essentially, they doomed Abakio and Mista. Or right. Abakio and Narancha, rather. Right. So, like, I, I, in, on its own, I think that story is fine. I think it's a, it's a decent enough, solid story. But, but, but I don't in, want them to cut away from the fucking climax for them to do it. Right. Like, they go from, hey, uh, Diavolo is stuck in his eternal death loop, and then we go to in this story, and it's like this is just so we- like if you're gonna do anything, resolve the fucking thing, do this story, 
and then have your post credit sequence of uh, uh, Giorno taking over the mafioso. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get like the little like stinger at the end where um, it's Mista and Giorno, and like basically Giorno is taken over the Passione crime family. Uh, and Mista is like his his right hand dude. Uh, and like all the all the like sub bosses and stuff are there, like kissing Giorno's fucking ring hand and swearing fealty to him. But um, yeah, which is Polnareff's neat. There and too. like, yeah, Polnareff's there. He's inside the turtle. Uh, Trish is off living her life somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably the, like I said, it's the one I was most engaged with, but it's also the one I definitely have the most problems with because like, it just it does similar things to older seasons it makes characters that i don't like the protagon well i wouldn't say i don't like Jorno. like Jorno's fine i'm ambivalent towards Jorno, but like bukarati is more interesting and uh therefore is in my head canon the real main character uh you know like like little it, it does like some really small things bad not badly but like poorly it handles them poorly and so that's kind of what holds it back from being like a mate in my eyes. Hmm. Honestly, like I, I kind of think that this was like a slam dunk. Like, I think this season was fucking really good. Core tenants wise, like making it a more contained, like it's not a world ending event that we're about to experience again. Like Kira, right. I still felt like it was a world of ending event. Like Diavolo didn't really seem like it was going to become that until like the very very end which like whatever but like i don't know kira all kira wanted was to live a quiet life you know yeah quiet life i think all diavolo wanted was to you know run the mafia and be left the fuck alone yeah so i i I like like the more contained stories that aren't like oh my god we need to stop fucking dio for 48 episodes i i I like Mm -hmm. oh my god we need to save somebody or like we need to find a treasure and then save somebody for 39 episodes yeah i don't know any uh any final thoughts no pretty much said everything that i that i had to say uh yeah. Yeah. um good ride yeah this uh this season has you know as is often the case uh it has some fucking banger openers uh so like fighting gold is one of my favorite intros uh for like the first half of this part um it's it's a fucking jam and then uh yeah we just need to talk about jodeci we just need well, to like talk yeah about the, the close <laughs> the closing for the first half of the the season uh is a song called freaking you so like it cuts to credits and starts showing like images of uh you know the characters and their stands drifting by and it says uh every time i close my eyes i wake up feeling so horny uh, so now even Morningwood is a JoJo reference. Yeah. Uh, so get ready for that outro uh, as our outro for this week's show, because there's That's no true. way freaking you is not going to be the outro for this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, and then like once once they decide they're betraying the boss and stuff, like I think Traitor's Requiem is also like a pretty good opening. So. Yeah. I think JoJo like overall has some of the best like anime openings and outros. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, with that, it's time to get into uh, another patron request review. This one uh, is Richie Rich. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, this comes from Jason. So, <laughs> Richie Rich, yay. This movie's wild to view through a uh the pa- pandemic financial crisis uh 2022 fucking uh lens so uh so this is uh Richie Rich 1994 PG rated uh comedy family film uh rated a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb so 0.2 stars above tall girl uh a rich young boy finds his family the target of an inside job and must use his cunning to save them. Uh, stars Macaulay Culkin. Uh, and also his dad is uh, the lead vampire from The Lost Boys, which I realized halfway through the movie. Sure. I'll take your word for it. I, I've never watched The Lost Boys. Ah, oh, that makes me sad. Uh, what did you think of Richie Rich? So like you said, this movie is wild to view in a 2022 lens. This is... Like you look at this movie and it's just like this is the spoon feedy, the richer mm-hmm. good people bullshit yeah. that we this, that people try to feed this us is, now. This is Elon Musk putting up a billboard saying, Be nice to millionaires, we're just like you, which yeah. is a real thing that happened. So I looked at it and uh so they said the the, the riches were worth like seventy billion dollars in nineteen ninety four. Uh I so I put that in an inflation cal- uh, calculator because I was like, I'm curious. Uh, that would only make the riches uh, who are currently in, in the canon of this uh, of this world, uh, the richest people on planet Earth. That would put them second or third behind uh, Elon Musk and Bill Gates hmm. at uh, 136 billion. Actually, I think I think there's actually a French billionaire who's ahead of them. So I think it's a French billionaire, Elon Musk, the riches, and then Bill Gates. But yes, this is this like because the opening like is basically like the riches like them going through the story, and then like the whole setup is that uh, Richard Rich, who is uh, Richie Rich's dad, uh, buys uh, this tool company was going out of business and just reinstates everybody's jobs, mm-hmm. and uh, is eventually like, I don't want to sell the company. What I'm going to do is I'm gonna, actually I do want to sell the company. But I'm going to sell it back to the workers, give the workers the the means of production, and therefore let them be self sufficient. Yeah. yeah, rich rich dad is here to give communism to the people, which like is wild. <laughs> Think about like I, I'm watching this in 2022 and just being like, there's no fucking way this ever happens. Like the 2022 businessman is the right hand man. Like, who's just like, no, 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 let's close the factory and, like, collect the insurance money or whatever the fuck he was trying to do with it. Oh, my. (laughs) What else? I don't know. It's wild seeing Macaulay Culkin in this, like, uh, after, like, watching him be a fucking on-again, off-again personality on fucking red-letter media videos. Yeah. We also aged a bit, like... 
his, his there's definitely some more gravel in his voice. Like he's de- he definitely sounds old. Like I mean, it's like what three years after Home Alone or something like that. Yeah. Or like, but uh, there is one part in here where like the bad guy is pursuing him and uh, he's climbing up a ladder after the rich family and. Mac is there at the top of the ladder to like kick it down while the guy's on it. And like, just like the little smile and shit that he does. And like, then does that fucking, uh, essentially like bad guy trap, uh, and probably kills this man. Um, like he has big McCall, like he has big Kevin McAllister energy in that moment. Yeah. I I I don't know how else to talk about this movie because like it's just like hey, w- rich people are actually really good. If you just mm-hmm. give us a fucking chance, we'll show you how good we are by being. We're yeah. we'll also we're also sponsored by McDonald's. Look at all of our McDonald's. At the end of it, he has friends, and therefore he truly is the the richest kid in the world now. <laughs> So I need I need you to go I need you to go on IMDb right now and I okay. need you to look at the poster for this movie uh which is clearly just like haphazardly cut and pasted together. Oh yeah. It's it's incredible. None of them look like real humans. Yeah, like the girl doesn't look like herself. Uh she's definitely superimposed. So is the kid to the right to the left of Macaulay Culkin. The guy on the hood of the car doesn't look like he's supposed to be there. The two kids are just like photo, like what? What the the kid on the far left? The, like his the hair should be driving looks out. like a cardboard cutout of a human. Yeah. Uh, the kid, the kid on the left should have his hair coming out from the side of the car because you know his head is bigger than that, and it's not. So like clearly they just went eh, 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 eh. close enough. Uh, uh, oh, no one cares. Who gives a shit? Five buddies, a butler, and a dog on an adventure so big. Uh, no, that's not how this works. Like, it's mostly Kevin McAllister, the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Fighting everybody. Also, we have uh, Michael McShane as uh, Professor Keenbean, a scientist, uh, who he's he's uh, in here because the joke is that he's a fat guy. So it shows him eating and falling down a lot and being fat. This is how you did comedy in the nineties. Fat people fell down and ate a lot, and that yeah. was funny. Fat people are funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the McDonald's sponsorship is hilarious in this. They have like a whole fucking McDonald's in the rich house that is fully staffed, has the golden arches. Uh, you see it multiple times throughout the movie. Like, I, there's one point where a kid was like, like, uh, Kevin or Kevin, uh, Richie Rich shows up. And he's like, hey, I want to play baseball. And they're like, I bet you, you know, 10 bucks you can't fucking hit this baseball. And so all these kids throw some money in a hat and like, all right. And he goes to pull out $10,000. Yeah, like, yeah, 10, 10 should be good. So he pulls out $10,000 because, $10, you know, Rich doesn't care. But yeah, he hits the ball and like the kid's like, oh, I was going to get McDonald's with that. And I'm like, oh, that's a weird <laughs> thing to say. Okay. But then, like, the riches have a McDonald's in their house. So you see the golden yeah. arches, they run up, and like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, McDonald's! Yeah, and the, the butler tells all the kids that he'll pay them $100 to hang out with Richie. Well, not only that, but also, like, in the next scene, the, the McDonald's containers are on Richie Rich's desk, so that way you know that they just had McDonald's, and they're empty. Yeah. So you know they loved eating their McDonald's. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Richie is obsessed with baseball, so he has Reggie Jackson as his fucking personal baseball coach. It's fantastic. Uh, and then, like, you know, because he's, like, being tutored because he's a wealthy person. Uh, he has, like, a personal fitness coach that, like, makes him work out and stuff. Uh, so they can't make it in one day. So Claudia Schiffer comes in and is instructing him in aerobics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he looks over at the butler and is like, hey, about my usual guy, let's fire him and hire Claudia Schiffer full time so that I can look at her ass because I'm uh, 14 and puberty hit. Uh, were you paying attention to who the usual guy was? Uh, I can't remember. It was the governor himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Holy shit, really? Yeah, they said Arnold Schwarzenegger. And That's I, fucking I actually, hilarious. In, in my, in my headcanon, I, I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll show up for like a quick cameo and then canceled on them, and then they just got Claudia Schiffer. And so they mentioned the whole Arnold Schwarzenegger thing just because it's funny. But, it's you know, it's Claudia Schiffer. So they just rewrote that whole scene. That's that's how I view it. But yeah, it was. It, uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be on but they mentioned him. So I was like, oh, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. But yeah, basically, uh, rich people are good. Uh, one man who is trying to become rich person is bad, uh, tries to kill rich people to take their money. Uh, and he'll do bad things with the money. Uh, rich people survive assassination attempt. Uh, rich boy with silver spoon has to track down rich parents uh, and restore the balance of order in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite part of the movie is that the rich people are like, yes, our our priceless treasures. And it's just like a bunch of family junk. And the guy's like flipping Mm -hmm. out about it, being like, where's all the the gold and and shit? So this is the best part of the movie. They have like all their, which like you wouldn't need to put it in a safe, but it's all like their personal effects and stuff in this safe to like keep them nice, I guess. Uh, so like the bad guy's freaking out and is like, where is all the money? And the dad's like, what are you talking about? It's in the bank. It's, it's one of those moments where you're just like, yeah, that makes sense. The guy's like, the guy's like, where are all the gold bars? And he's like, I'm not a fucking pirate. My money is in the bank. It's in real estate. It's in investments. What are you right. talking about? <laughs> right. Like you, you think like national treasure type shit where it's just like this massive vault of like gold bar after gold bar. And it just turns out, no, that's not it. It's like, these are the things that like, because of the good rich people, they treasure human moments and memories. And, and yeah. you know, they put the money where it belongs with investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. Because the rich people realize that money is a tool that allows you to get more money. Oh, my. Um, the other stupid thing that they have because they're extravagantly wealthy is Mount Richmore, uh, which is a mountain that has their faces carved into it. Uh, which is where the vault is contained, like inside this mountain. So like the big set piece at the end of the movie is like the bad guy chasing them across like this monument to their own hubris as somebody's shooting a fucking laser at them. Uh, So the henchman shooting the laser blows off the mom's nose and the mom looks over and is like, my nose, I look like Michael Jackson. And then I'm like, 
oh man, it's kind of fucked up that Macaulay Culkin didn't stick up for Michael Jackson there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> you know, like I don't know if he's actually a producer on this, uh, and you know, well, I could be able to look it up right now, but I would assume so. Like I feel like he'd have enough sway in Hollywood to get a producer credit. I don't know. Maybe. Let's find out. <laughs> Dude, I was uh I was watching the one Netflix Chappelle special where he was talking about Michael Jackson and uh how he was like, Yeah, I don't I don't really think that he did that shit because like the the one kid was like uh the one kid that supposedly was like around him all the time was Macaulay Culkin and Macaulay Culkin said that he never did anything inappropriate around him. But also like based on his uh acting history, like Macaulay Culkin is notoriously hard to catch. So like if he had done anything to him, like Michael Jackson would have been bragging about it constantly. <laughs> right. Uh I looked uh no Macaulay Culkin as a producer on this movie, which is I don't know. I feel like because what he had done like uncle uncle buck and the two home alone movies like mm -hmm. let's look at like millie poppy brown for instance like she she had stranger things and enola holmes and everyone just went oh let's make her a producer on fucking everything yeah right i don't know i I will say that like millie bobby brown probably seems like she's handling her fame and fortune better than because, uh, like, Macaulay Culkin's parents were, like, giant dicks and I think stole all of his money. Sounds uh, like parents. So that's why, that's why he, like, disappeared for a long time. Uh, anything else about Richie Rich? Uh, the, the good rich people movie? Greed is good. Uh, rich people are your friends. That's true. Uh, so what would you give it? Two and a half. There, there were some solid laughs in here for me. I'm going to go three. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, and just viewing it from like the 2022 lens kind of aided in my enjoyment of it. But uh, the last act is just like, oh, we've we've gone to this super safe, obvious thing that has to happen, which is fine. But it's boring that we went here. Yeah, I don't know. My uh, like the dad saying my money is in the bank dipshit is like one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie in a while, so. Yeah, that's fair. Alright, well, next week on the show, we'll be doing Russian Doll Season 2. Uh, everybody get caught up on Russian Doll Season 1. There's a recap somewhere that I think it's 15 minutes long, so you can enjoy that. Uh, just know it's a time, time thing. I have no idea what the season's about. Uh, and on the back of that, we'll be doing a patron request review for The Dark Knight. This is our last chance to do this, because uh, The Dark Knight leaves on April 30th. So, we're getting that in from the Bubby. And then we'll resume a more uh, first-come, first-serve thing as we move through uh, the rest of the quarter. All right. Uh, Dan, thank you for uh, sticking with me through Anim April and doing all of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, I'm going to have a drinking problem because I've used so much of my life on watching fucking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But... Look, I now get all the JoJo references. Uh, the, yeah. the the reference of three guys just dancing around a fucking head is yeah. hilarious now. Yeah, you you know the torture dance. You know that if you see two rocks that look the same, uh, you, you know, you'll just start laughing hysterically. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, if you want to laugh hysterically at two rocks that look the same, you can uh, check out more of the show at NetflixandSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. 
Uh, it has our Patreon page, our merch page, and links to other podcasts we host, such as Stacking Triggers, which is a Magic the Gathering podcast, Rabbit Ears TV podcast, which is a uh, TV love podcast for any TV shows that are completed, and uh, Apple Teeny Plus, who are sworn rivals because they will probably because Apple will probably buy Netflix at some point. Hmm. That was a good ass segue. Hey, thanks. All right. Uh, thank you to Spaceweather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, which is how Diavolo felt about having to die uh, an infinite amount of times until the heat death of the universe. Uh, poor Diavolo. No, f- fuck that guy. Not poor, Di- not poor Diavolo. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Diavolo was a monster, but I don't know that anybody deserves that. And one it, of the most it, fucked up parts is that I don't think Jorno realizes that's what happened. I think he said that he was going to die an infinite amount of times. I just don't know if he, you know, really understands the, the concept of that. Because isn't yeah. Jorno like 15 or something like that? Yeah, he's a 15-year-old kid. And also, he's... like, Re- like Requiem even says that, like, you know, the, the full extent of his power isn't even known to his user. But Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, thank you. We love you. Uh, I hope everybody who listens to us watched all of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure over the past month with us, uh, like the crazy people that we are. It was a good time. Uh, you get the Ora 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 and the Jotaro deal, and then all that shit. Yeah. You get all the memes. uh, Yeah, it's true. Uh, and until next week, this is Caleb saying... Ari, 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 arrivederci!